Let us accept that embrace. And let us show that love to the world around us. Lord, we give you this time tonight. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Good night. I have this awesome opportunity to spend some time with you tonight, but I know that you just don't want to hear from me. And first, before we get started, I'd like to tell you a little bit about the Financial Discipleship Ministry. But I'd like to thank the team, the ministry team here, the women's ministry, for bringing us all together to hear about so many important topics. The Financial Discipleship Team here at the chapel started roughly around eight years ago in the form that we know it today. I co-lead this team with my spouse, Chris, and God has blessed us with the tools uh, throughout our lifetime and our career of being financial advisors for over 30 years, financial planners and advisors, seeing the struggles that people have, the victories that people have. And through our life and as we transitioned into retirement, God spoke to both of us and said, you have a special talent, just don't stop here. Keep on spreading, keep on working, keep on growing the kingdom through these gifts. So this year, spending time in this program, we've heard from our great sisters about becoming spiritually healthy and whole. I saw a post from Carmen today on Facebook that she had a little vacation. Last month, our focus uh, was on becoming emotionally healthy and whole. We heard from Paula, and I just told her today that her words resonated with me just earlier today when I was struggling with something, coming a little bit unglued. And I know that these ladies, this team, have so many more exciting things for us. So tonight, I'd like to talk about what does financial stewardship actually mean? If we were to pick up the Webster Dictionary, our phone and Google, or in my case, maybe even encyclopedia, it's defined as spending our resources wisely. But in biblical terms, it is a path to view and use the money and possessions that God has entrusted with us. us. So tonight, when you got in here, you have a little packet. And I'd like to thank Brittany for putting this together and the other volunteers. And this will serve as a guideline for our program this evening you may take notes, or you may take it home and write and reflect at a later time. So when we're going to think about this, we're going to think about this in terms of what is one thing that Jesus talked about more than the kingdom of heaven? He talked about money. As a matter of fact, 11 of 39 parables talk about money and possessions. And one out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talk about money. But why do we shy away from it? We don't really shy away from it because we're bombarded every day. I remember I got credit card offers almost daily when I was in college. We get things on our smartphone. We get something on Facebook. It's on TV. Money, 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 money. Save money here. Spend money there. We walk through the mall. There's a sale going on. Coupons in the mail. Microsoft gives us coupons, Google gives us coupons. Everywhere we are incented to spend money, but we don't always talk about it. In 1 Corinthians, Paul applies this verse to all Christians. A person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As Christian women, our role in Proverbs 31 defines us 
that we see everything we help our family is part of our duty, and that includes an active participation in finances and budgeting. So I'd like to bring my panel up right away so we can get started on this important topic. It's going to be really interactive. We won't have any time for questions necessarily, but we'll be at the resource table at the end of the evening. So ladies, if you please join me. I guess I'm the winner, I have the uh, avocado, but I do, <laughs> and there's a microphone. Thanks for joining us tonight, and um, Myra, do you have the microphone on your end? Is there a microphone? All right, Brittany's got it under control. So first of all, I'd like to introduce our panel, and I'd like for each of them just to take a moment and uh, tell the ladies a little bit about yourself, how long maybe that you've been attending the chapel, a little about your family, just whatever, whatever you want to throw in there works for me. I think they did this on purpose and made me sit at the end here, so I have to start. I'm Myra Jones. I was a public school teacher for about 30 years seventh and eighth grade language arts, and I had middle school students for 27 out of those 30 years, so that's kind of why I look like I do. <laughs> if you've had any in your family, then you understand exactly what I mean. Uh, my husband and I moved here in, um, to live year-round in 96, and we started attending the chapel when it was on Galloway, uh, not Galloway, on Columbus Ave. You can probably hear them refer to that sometimes as the Columbus Ave Chapel, and we have been attending ever since. Um, I'm in retired now. Um, well, <laughs> I guess not exactly am I retired. Uh, about three years ago, Mark Geisbauer, our executive pastor, asked if I would be interested in being an assistant to him. Trust me, that is, I taught language arts. The executive pastor deals with numbers and figures and finances, so my mind has been just whirling ever since. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy what I'm doing, and I get to see all these wonderful people all the time and get to share time with them. I have two grown sons. I have five grandchildren. And anytime you want to see pictures, just let me know. <laughs> Hi, my name is Tracy Harbaugh. Uh, closer to your... I've been attendi attending the chapel for 16 years now. My husband and I met in college, and we were both kind of looking for a church of our own, so we started attending at that time. We have two boys, Blake and Grady. They are 12 and 9. Um, I'm a teacher at Woodlands Intermediate School in Huron City Schools, and I'm a reading teacher. And I met Johnny through the financial peace class that was held at the Norwalk campus about three or four years ago. Uh, my name's Casey Madison. Um, I attend the Port Clinton Chapel. Um, it's been just a little over a year. Um, I manage a bank in Port Clinton. Um, I've been in banking just about uh, close to 18 years, I guess. Um, and I am a single mom. I have two kids, uh, 15 and 10. Um, they go to Port Clinton schools. And I met Joni at the uh, financial class um, at the Port Clinton Chapel. 
And I'm Amanda Wolf, and uh, I have been married to my husband, Bob, for 11 years. We have three children, eight, six, and four. Um, I'm in my 20th year of teaching, and um, oh, I've been coming to the chapel since April of 2018, so almost four years. Thank you, ladies. Uh, I sent some questions out to these ladies so uh, they would have a little thought process and prayer uh, as we move along. But in my reading and through the years of talking with people about their finances, we have found that there's such an emotional connection to money and possessions that all spending, whether it's positive or negative, is somewhat based on an emotional reaction or an emotional uh, value that you may have. You may be searching for contentment. Maybe you're modeling uh, your spending after what you saw at home. If you're married, finances seem to be one of the number one sources of tension. And it's not necessarily whether you have a little or a lot, because rich people with a lot of money, they fight. They fight about even money, and they fight even about possessions. But it's about how each of us values money or places a value on the item that we're purchasing or what we need to use that money for. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Casey, I'd like to start with you, since you're kind of uh, the newest uh, member of this journey that we're all on, and it's indeed a journey. There's never an end. There's always prayer. What led you to examine your heart in the area of your finances? Um, I think the, the biggest part, um, I knew that I struggled um, just spending-wise, um, money, I think, was, spending was always tied to my emotions. Um, you know, if, obviously, I'm a single mom, um, so going through a divorce, um, I think spending um, was just a way to, um, you know, if you're down, um, it's easy to just get on Amazon or, you know, go shopping. Um, so it's not that I had a lot of credit card debt, but it was just easiest to just go buy something. So I knew that I needed to figure out how to, um, you know, get that debt under control. Um, so I've always wanted to figure out a budget and, you know, attending the chapel when I saw that that class was available, um, that was an opportunity for me to figure out how to um, pay that down and then, um, you know, budget and figure out how to um, just set aside and be able to, if I want to do things with my children, still have that opportunity um, to do that and maintain that, those finances. Sure, sure. So uh, Casey attended our rock solid class in January. And, and I, one thing I love about Casey, she's so transparent and open. And she was very verbal and had good input and participation in the class. So I, I certainly thank you. Amanda, uh, where did you and your husband kind of come together when it was examining your heart in this area? Um, I think being a dual income family, we just felt like we were working so hard 
day after day, month after month, and we just felt like we weren't getting ahead. And we just felt like we were working too hard to not have, you know, more security and um, just more comfort financially. So um, I remember specifically uh, Eric was giving a sermon about coming to the altar, and I specifically remember filling out a note card with three things that we were praying for, and one of those was, um, you know, financial guidance, and um, I think it was, I don't know, a month or maybe maybe less than a month later, it showed up in the um, bulletin that they were offering financial peace, um, so... So I think you're going to hear next uh, from our panel about how it's important to trust and accept. Psalms 24.1 tells us that the earth is, is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all his people belong to him. I was speaking with uh, one of the ladies in a prayer group that I'm in, and she had been in Rock Solid um, before, and we spoke, and she said, you know, my husband and I had our finances, I think, pretty well ironed out. We were pretty much on the same page. She, she said, but I learned more about the trust. Just keep trusting. Keep on going. So after prayer, maybe, Tracy, you can answer this one for us. What were your first steps for you and Jeff? We just came home after our first class. And we realized that we were in control of our finances. It was an area that we had never really gone to God about. We just kind of thought, like Amanda, you know, we're kind of, we have things under control, you know, but we just realized that we needed to just submit and listen to God's word and what he has to say about finances and put it all in his hands and just trust that, you know, if we had our priorities right, our tithing and our budget, that there would still be money at the end of the day, we'd still be able to have fun, but we could do things right and, and have peace about it. And every little baby step along the way, someone came and alongside of us. You know, we asked, do you have a Christian mentor in this area or this area? And there are always people that were willing to come alongside of us and help, help us walk through it. Thank you. As you go home tonight and you think about our message, I'd like for you to maybe take a look at your packet. We have inside what's called a quick claim deed, and this is between you and the Lord. It will be a time for you to reflect, for you to pray, and hopefully transfer to the Lord the ownership of your possessions. If you put your house, does that mean you're going to go change the mortgage title on your deed? I don't think so. However, that's one step in, in the thought process of turning things over to the Lord. So our challenge tonight is to take this quick claim deed and pray about what it can mean in your life once you accept and trust. Now, you're saying, oh, well, that's, that's one step, right? That's, that's a big step. And, and sure it is, because there are traps that we have, debt, seeking money over creating value, procrastination, fear, all of those things. So in your prayer, and a part of becoming a financial steward, we all have talked about this, and we talk about it in our classes, is tithing. Tithing and offerings may or may not have been modeled for you when you were growing up. But as we learn God's perspective on giving, we really begin to understand the powerful reasons. 
And that reason is you can't outgive God. And I've heard it said that 90% on your own goes a lot farther with God, giving him the 10%, than only 100% all on your own. And when I was working, I used to use this analogy to, to people about if you had a brain tumor, you wouldn't go to the dentist. So turning it over to God, all of it, gives you more resources in the end. So consider this. Giving tithes and offerings is a tangible way that we can all acknowledge God's ownership of all that we have. After all, in John 3.16, we've learned that God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Charitable giving is tangible and is a way to worship and a part of all that we do. Singing, chair time, road time, small groups, giving to God, giving to the kingdom to grow the kingdom. It's a way to show obedience to God's command. Andy Stanley, who's on your resource sheet, has a series out called Balanced. And I love to I listen to Andy all the time. He, he comes back to this point. He goes, everybody has it upside down. They think, pay my bills, save, spend, and then maybe I'll think about giving. But by regular tithing, it's really possible to break that power, that emotional power that money has over our lives. Because a disciplined pattern of regular giving, it becomes natural and a part of that worship service. Myra, I think you had a, a, a nice little story about tithing and how it relates about an increase in tithing that you thought about after attending, yes. what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Rock solid, maybe? <laughs> Another CNN conference. Um, it, kind of was, it really was just like an eye-opener to me that um, there was a particular bill that I had been paying on and paying on and paying on, and it was finally paid off. Now, in the past, I would have thought, oh, good, you know, that's, I've got that much more money. I can go shopping today. I can go shopping tomorrow as well. And then it dawned on me, no, that's not what you need to do with that money. If God has entrusted this extra now to you because you were diligent in getting this taken care of, then why can't you set that aside to be used to serve other people? So it was kind of like in addition to what I would normally be giving, now I kept that money aside, and when a need for something arises, then I have the source that I can go to and be able to meet that need, whether it be something at the church or a, a neighbor or someone in particular that I know is in need. And I would have never had that satisfaction and the joy that I have of being able to reach out to someone and do that for them. And really, I'm doing it for God. Casey, a couple weeks ago, if you'll take the mic, please, you and I had a discussion when I asked you to join our team and um, you had a really great thing to tell me about tithing. I mean, first of all, you're very excited. <laughs> Your enthusiasm came through the phone. Can you share that with us, please? I was, I was really nervous about tithing. Um, when we took the class, um, tithing scared me because the, the class, the way that he described it, Tithing is obviously the very most important thing, um, and 
it should be the first thing that you give. You know, 10% of your of your your income should come right off the top. And he makes it very, um, you know, instinctive that no matter what, you need to give that. And you know that that scared me because I'm instantly thinking, you know, how am I supposed to provide for my kids? How am I supposed to, you know? pay my mortgage and, you know, pay my expenses. And he makes it clear that that will happen. And I still left there thinking, how am I going to do that? So um, Pastor Ryan had reached out to me and said, you know, I see that you're taking the class. How did that go? And my initial response to him was, it's great, but how am I going to tithe? I am freaking out about this. And he said, take a deep breath. God wants a joyful giver. So as long as you're giving, God wants a joyful giver. So I said, you probably weren't expecting that response from me, so I'm sorry that I freaked out on you. But <laughs> um, he's like, it's okay. I expected that response from you, so just relax. And I said, he said, as long as you're giving and not giving someplace else that you shouldn't be giving and just continue to increase and then continue to get to that 10%. It's better than not giving. So as I'm working to pay off my debt, which I have done um, continuously since the class, I just continue to increase my tithing. So that's what's most important to me. So Thank you. And um, it does sound like a scary concept, and that's probably a very common question that we receive after our rock-solid class is, you know, if I'm not tithing 10%, what is going to happen to me? And I'm like, this is between you and God. It's not between me. It's not between the accounting office at the chapel. It's not between you and your CPA. I said, you know, a joyful giver. This is what it's about. Trust, acceptance, giving joyfully. So as we move forward uh, to hear a little bit more from these ladies about what their process has been and is. We're going to talk a little bit about budgeting, which is a really subject on its own that we could spend one whole evening about. But in Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 23, 24, it says, be sure to know the condition of your flocks. So when we talk about budgeting, there's all kinds of tools out there. And I'm going to ask Tracy to talk about what she uses. And then we'll switch over to Amanda after that. But there's one simple thing that I'd like to say about budgeting. The best budget is the one that gets used. So Tracy, can you share with us what you do? So I love to talk about my budget. If you're around me, you might have to walk away sometimes because <laughs> I get so excited about it. We use something called the Every Dollar app on our phones, and it's neat because myself and my husband can see the same app. So if we spend money, and I'm standing like, you know, five feet from the checkout line at Kroger. If you see me standing there, I'm not texting anybody. I'm putting it in my phone, in my app, exactly what I spent. I'm really diligent about putting it in on the spot. And then my husband can see exactly what I've spent on groceries or whatever I've been, you know, shopping for. And then we have all of our categories set aside um, for our monthly spending. We even have Tracy's fund money and Jeff's fund money and family fund money and groceries and even like clothing expenses that we know are gonna pop up if the boys need a new pair of tennis shoes or something. So when we took the class, one of the first things we had to do was break down every single thing you can think of that you might spend money on and set aside an amount of money. And we've adjusted it several times. We just had to start with, you know, one plan to get us going. 
And so we just use the app to kind of hold us accountable. And sometimes if we're over a little bit in one area, we'll have to figure out, okay, what other area are we gonna take it from? But it really just keeps us disciplined. And you know, it's kind of one of those things, you set it and you forget it. You, we, set our, um, we set our budget for the month, we have our tithing in there, we have our savings account in there so that we know that we're um, doing those two important things. But besides that, you know, the plan just kind of works itself out as long as we stick to it. So we love to kind of negotiate between our different areas and, and talk about our budget. <laughs> sure, sure. And Amanda, um, I know that you uh, said that you had started one type of budget and then kind of switched to a different one. Uh, was like a about your paycheck. Could you expand on that, please, a little so bit? So we started with every dollar as well, and um, it did really well for us. And now I um, have found this um, Excel spreadsheet, and it's a pay period budget. So um, instead of monthly, it's every pay period. So it's a little more dialed in, and um, sometimes I would find myself or us, um, like at one point in the month we would have all this excess, but it's because a couple of things hadn't, you know, been taken out yet or withdrawn yet, and so um, I just liked the longevity of it. I can set it up for the year because I know when my kids' birthdays are, I know when I want to start saving for Christmas, and it's just all there you know, in, in black and white. So I've really enjoyed, um, it sounds so silly. Like it's such a it, nerdy it's, thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's also been freeing. You know, I always used to think, do we have this money? You know, should I really spend this money on this? But when it's in the budget, it's like I'm given permission. You know, I've already given myself permission. It's already planned for that. So um, it just takes the stress off of it. Sure, sure. So Amanda said a very key word there, and that was freeing. And then Tracy mentioned something about the personal spending that they have as a part of their budget, which is a dollar amount that they have set with their spouse. And, and if you're single, you know, you don't have that, but maybe you would have an accountability partner for that. Um, as to that's their free money that they don't have to ask. They just have their free money. So it's about having a roadmap, and lo and behold, in your packet, we have a simple budget. And on the resource page, you will also see some uh, references to apps you can use on your phone, and if you're real techie, Excel or Google Sheets or a million other things. But you know, me, I'm pretty basic because I used the encyclopedia growing up. So I, I think about the financial map as a real physical thing for me. And, you know, if you're at a museum or you're at a mall or you're maybe even on a hiking trail, you look at a map and it says, you are here. Okay? You are here. So just start where you are. Where you are, you are here. And then I think about it as you're going along, you know, uh, once again, you know, technology is really great, um, but, you know, you have to realize that this is a physical thing, it's an emotional thing, you know, uh, whether you use an app or a spreadsheet. And, and if you were in a burning building, I don't think you'd pull out your phone for your plan, you'd look for those exercises, right? So. Think of your financial map as where you are, where you're going, and then you monitor that as along, along the way. So we have a lot more to cover, so we'll keep on moving. Um, 
One thing that we become slaves of or happens to be debt. And um, Proverbs 22, 7 tells us the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slaver to the lender. You know, when everybody says, well, wait a minute, you know, I have debt maybe for my car, my home, my student loans, my credit cards. So there is good versus bad debt, and you can read more about it or listen more about it um, in some of these resources. But, you know, generally speaking, if you were to say define good versus bad, well, good debt is an appreciating asset, which certainly would be your car or maybe an investment in education, your student loans, uh, an advanced degree, and uh, something that will help you at work, um, spending $125 for the Global Leadership Conference. That is good debt if you have to have it. So, Casey, since you're really in tune to this right now, can you share with us a little bit about what your debt reduction strategy is? Um, so, taking the rock solid class, um, he talked about the snowball effect. Um, so, I have been working on starting with the smallest uh, debt that I had, and um, you pay off the smallest, and then what you use to pay off the smallest. Um, you then take that money and then pay off the next smallest and so on and so forth. So um, I've just worked on um, just small department store credit cards and I have paid off those. And then um, I had um, just a larger, um, you know, just, you know, like a, a Wayfair credit card, for example. Um, and I've paid that off and now I am, um, all I have left is just a, a personal loan and I'm just chipping away at that. And then um, all I have left is my car. Sure. And so without disclosing any numbers, mm -hmm. because everything is totally confidential, mm -hmm. can you share with us, however, what sacrifices you made, what you took, mm -hmm. where you took it? So I, was, I left um, uh, on fire um, after the class. Um, it was, I think the biggest thing for me when I left there, um, you know, was realizing, you know, being a steward and realizing that I wasn't spending my money. Um, it was, everything is God's. And it kind of hit me that like, I'm not, it's not mine. So just simple things. And, you know, it, I mean, realizing that I have so many things and so much stuff. And I just went home and just went crazy on Facebook and I started selling purses and shoes and clothes and I had um, furniture that just, I don't need it. And I just went crazy and started selling stuff and I probably sold close to a thousand dollars worth of stuff and just dumped it. And I got my tax return back and, and typically I would have just found something to spend it on, whether the kids, I mean, my kids don't want for anything, but um, I just paid it on stuff. So I just, this is the first time I didn't do anything for myself or, you know, so. And I, I shared with uh, Casey out there because the story, um, part of this story, the second part she just shared about her tax return. And I said, you know, Casey, your blessings may not come in terms of more money in your checkbook, but there will be a blessing. Mm -hmm. 
You just have to wait for it. So Amanda, can you share with us, you, you are a mom and you have children, um, and they're young, so they might, you know, they're in that, those french fries are mine, or that iPad is mine, probably, I'm only assuming there for a moment, but how are you teaching your children about the importance of money and, and possessions and that God owns it all? Um. We are trying our best, like everybody, um, and we fail sometimes, but when our kids get, you know, if it's a, a, a birthday gift or something like that, we usually let them um, keep that, but when they are earning money by doing chores or, um, and basically just, that's how they earn money at our house, is just doing chores, um, they have to, they can spend some and then we put some aside for them, and then they set some aside for um, offering when they come to church. So um, we're just trying to give them a good model, show them, you know, when we go places, we don't get everything that we want. We get what we need, and um, then we, we save until we can get what we want. So, um, and letting them know that, you know, sometimes we do mess up, and... Right. Um, you bought that toy, and now you don't really like it, but your money's gone. So I think it's a good um, it's a good tool for them to also be able to spend some money when they have it so that they understand what it feels like when they don't. Sure, sure. And we're going to start wrapping things up quite rapidly here. So if you pass the microphone down on to Myra, and then um, we'll ask Tracy a question too. One of our last topics is examining your estate. And once again, we could have just a whole time on, on this subject alone. Uh, Proverbs 19.20 tells us, Get all the advice and instruction you can, so you will be wise with the rest of your life. So, Myra, we, we talked a little bit about um, that you and I talked about how often to look at your will, but you had an incident that happened to you as you were a, a fresh widow. Can you share that with us, please? I'll be glad to, and I hope it will encourage some of you to go home now and take notice of what I'm talking about. Um, and talking with Johnny about this, we were really just talking in generalities, and um, so I said, she said, well, you really should go back over and examine every five years how you have thing, your legacy, what you have set up, and your estate, and so forth. I said, even at my age, I need to do that? And she said, yes. Well, I hadn't done that. And so right after Bill passed, I went to the attorney, because we did have a will, and I was going through all of the things that we, I needed to take care of and needed to change and beneficiaries. And one of the laws had changed since we had purchased our place, and I was under the assumption that it was going to be transferred automatically into my name and called survivorship. And they had changed that, and it did not. And it ended up that I had to go to probate, had to take that to probate, and it cost me an additional $1,500. And that was just like, in my eyes, it was like I just wasted that money because I should have known, and I didn't. So I think the thing that to get from this is, you know, look at what you have, Every five years, you know, have someone financially to look at it over and to see, am I where I need to be? And are all my documents in order? And that would be the biggest lesson that I could share with you this evening, I think. Sure. Tracy, you and Jeff, couple young kids. 
Part of your financial journey has included things like wills, other financial documents like that. Can you just expound for a couple minutes maybe on what you, if you didn't have it and how much, what it meant to you once you made some of those decisions? So we did not have anything in place prior to the class. Um, and once again, through asking, you know, for help, we were put in, you know, the hands of a Christian lawyer who helped us get our trust put together. And it basically was just about being intentional, putting it on our calendar and saying, we're getting this done, we're making it a priority. And then he just followed up with us. And it wasn't that hard of a process because he walked us along, you know, the steps. And in fact, today I was just looking through our cupboards and I saw our legacy box, you know, and it just did give me so much peace. I go, oh yeah, we did that. So if anything would happen to us, right there I have it, you know, in capital letters and bold, you know, writing, you know, our legacy box. So whoever it is, it's all there. It's all in one place. And, you know, we have that checked off our list. Sure, sure. Well, thank you. Ladies, thank, thank all of you. And as I wrap things up, uh, on the front of your packet is a little card, and it's, it's somewhat of a modified pyramid, but it, it's really important, and you can place this on your refrigerator, on your bathroom mirror, somewhere that, that you can see every day where it's a reminder to you. But the bottom of the card is your foundation. And the bottom line is recognizing that God owns it all, that nothing in my possession is mine. The second step is becoming a joyful giver. Going into your budget, establishing an emergency fund, and having a plan to get out of debt. And it's not just, okay, I'm doing the budget, and next week I'll get the emergency fund, and five years from now I'll get out of debt. I mean, this is a process that's ongoing, and all of these things work hand-in-hand hand together, as you see on your little pyramid. The very last page is your resource page, and there's so much out there, and I know that you have things coming to you from every direction, Bible studies, this and that. Uh, our ministry team, the Financial Discipleship Ministry team, does have the classes um, one to two times a year at various uh, campuses, rock solid. You are able to actually access that class via the Right Now Media platform on your own should you choose. And we have a couple of the workbooks here. If you ever need a workbook, you just get in touch with our ministry and we can walk you through this. We will have a legacy planning class later this year. And that's to address some of the issues that Myra and Tracy just were talking about, examining your estate. Who do I leave what? How much? How do we do it? I have young children. What happens to them? These are some of the areas that, that are very, very important that we want to educate you on. Medicare planning, if you're at that stage or you have a family member that's at that stage and about to go on to Medicare, uh, one of our team members, Nicole Withrow, uh, does a great job for us. So we have Right Now Media, The Rock Solid, Andy Stanley's on there, several other videos. Uh, I have a couple books out there, The One Minute Money Mentor for Women. Deborah Piguet, she has her own um, podcast and website called Winning with Deborah. But she really focuses in this book. It's not necessarily about budgeting. It's, it's, it's a real basic book that, that really leads you about the value system of money and, and some of the terms that you would need to know 
going into this. Thriving in Love and Money by Shanti and Jeff Feldhahn. Uh, you may know them because they've written a couple books uh, on marriage, and they've also been on Focus on the Family. Many online tools, Dave Ramsey, Crown, Budgeting Ass, Mint, Good Budget, Honeydew, Fudget. And last but not least, if you just can't find it on your own, please email us at the Financial Discipleship, financial discipleship at the chapel.family. The team and I will be at the resource table at the end. If you have any questions, you want to take a look at a couple of those books, um, just anything in general that you may need. And I just appreciate your time and attention, and I'm going to ask Mary to come and close us in prayer. Wow. Thank you so much, ladies. Um, it's like you're up there, and you're amazing students, and Johnny, you're just so well-spoken on the subject, and we just appreciate you coming so much. And just about the time you thought we were all done with uh, gifts, we have just one more. <laughs> we have the book that she was talking about, The One-Minute Money Mentor for Women, and you do need your ticket one last time. Um, just grab that real